You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the June 2013 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be our host today, and I'm excited about today's topic. We're calling it Lessons Learned at Chick-fil-A. But before we get to that, I wanted to remind everybody that we've got a conference coming up this fall, October 24th, Thursday, October 24th. It's a one-day conference for youth and children. We're calling it Unleash Your Children's and Youth Ministry. Actually, we're calling it Unleash Your Youth... Children's and Student Ministry. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Today's going to be a long day, potentially. No, I, well, I just, I'm, it's not that I can talk, it's just I just read that line right there, because I didn't know, I, I actually forgot what we were calling the yeah, conference. Stick to the script, Shane. There we go. Uh, but anyway, if you want more information about that, go to unleash.cc. It's $79, uh, great one-day conference, and uh, it's filling up fast. I think we're about a quarter of the way full. It's limited number of seats, so you do not want to miss the opportunity to be a part of that. Uh, today's topic, as I mentioned earlier, is lessons learned at Chick-fil-A. Perry, you know we had the opportunity to spend the day at Chick-fil-A headquarters in Atlanta a few weeks ago and left feeling like we learned so much about so many things. Uh, we spent the day uh, with two of their executive leaders, shout out to Shane Benson and Dave Farmer, uh, and toured their amazing facilities, learned about how they work to stay ahead in their market, and even had the privilege to have lunch with Dan Cathy. I know after our meeting, Perry, you you emailed uh, Mr. Kathy uh, after our visit and shared with him 29 things you felt like you learned on that visit. Mm -hmm. So today, I'd love to ask you some questions about some of those things so we can pass that wisdom on to our listeners. How's that sound? Sounds great. And, you know, you don't have to call him Mr. Kathy. I feel like I can call him Dan now. I feel like we bonded. Um, We ate some chicken fingers together. And, I mean, I feel like the relationship between me and, and Dan it's pretty tight at this point. True. He even gave us mac and cheese. He did. Mac and cheese, sweet potatoes, green beans, chicken fingers, um, lemon pie. What else do we Coconut have? Coconut cream pie. Coconut cream pie. It was unbelievable. Chick-fil-A is, I mean, I've I've invested millions in Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. And if you live near a dwarf house, which they have all those things oh we just mentioned. Gosh. I don't know how many there are. There's not I don't, many. We ate at one the other day on family vacation, and it's one of the best things I've ever yeah. done in my life. So just the product itself screams mm-hmm. that something must be going on right at yep. Chick-fil-A. And yep. so we got a closer look at that on our visit a couple of weeks ago. So I'm just going to run through some questions, Perry, centered around the things you emailed to our friend Dan. He, you know, here's something, Shane, and we don't even have this on the script. I'm going to go completely off script Let's here. Do it. Chick-fil-A does what they do so well. Think about this. If you live near a mall, okay, so you live near a mall, and that mall has a food court. Um, you go into the food court. Just just do this sometimes. Go into the food court um, and sit in the food court from about 1045 to about 130. And watch. There's all of these restaurants all over the food court, but probably 60 to 70% of the people that come into the food court, if there's a Chick-fil-A, they go to Chick-fil-A. That Everybody's serving food, but because of what they serve, and because of how they serve it, people are going there. So it's, it's just like church. On Sundays, people are going to spend their time somewhere. They're going to go to a golf course. They're going to stay in bed. They're going to go to the lake. They're going to go to an event. They have the choice as to whether or not they're going to, ch- to come to church. And I'm convinced if we would do church as, as um, intentionally and as excellently as Chick-fil-A does chicken, dude, 
I would think we'd see an attendance increase in church. There's that no, was good. I just amen myself. Yeah, that, that was, was so good. Awesome. And it's very true. And for our uh, friends out west in the Midwest who don't have Chick-fil-A, oh, God. you need to start begging whoever you need to beg. Maybe it's our friend Dan. Yep. To get one in your Dan. town. Dan, if you're li- I know you're listening, Dan. I know you listen to this podcast every month. Hook somebody up with some Chick-fil-A. But those of you who know, you know. So we're going to dive in uh, to that. I thought that was great, Perry. And I think what we're going to see in today's podcast is the lessons you learned really was a picture mm-hmm. of if we're paying attention to what's going on in our culture, we're paying attention to, the, to answering the questions that people actually are asking, that the church can grow and it can have that kind of impact. Yep. Uh, just like Chick-fil-A does in their marketplace. So uh, the first question for you is, is, what did you learn about the importance of a working environment uh, in our visit at Chick-fil-A? Nobody does work environments um, like Chick-fil-A. Now, I'm sure there's somebody out there that does them, and, and they do them very well. But the way that Chick-fil-A uses their work environments, the way they encourage um, their creatives to be in a creative environment. They have open office space for certain people. They have closed office space, but even the closed office space was accessible. Um, I, and, and they were kind of casting the vision that you want work to be a place that people actually enjoy coming to. <clears throat> and so I, I started thinking about that in the church world. You know, even if you got a church of 100 people and you've got a staff of you and a part-time person, you can have a good work environment. You know, coming to a place that you enjoy being um, is is so huge. And th- this was this was good for me because I I don't understand creative like artsy type people that like open office spaces and ever you know I because I'm ADD so I've got to have closed space when I um, when I study and stuff. But everybody's not wired like me, and so I began to look at the the working environment. Of Chick Fil A, and I was like, "Man, the church! If we provided excellent working environments for the people that work in the church, I, I believe the productivity just goes up because people people will produce great work. Artists will produce great art. Musicians will produce great music if they're in an environment in which they love um, uh, they love the people they're working with and they love what they're doing." Yeah, and it really looked like Chick Fil A went the extra mile. Not many churches could do this, but they even have a cafeteria and food there that's free simply because they want people to be able to continue conversations they're having in a meeting. And so I'm using this opportunity to tell you that New Spring Church is okay if you want to go ahead and and give a thumbs up to uh, you know a Chick Fil A restaurant in our church. That I'm just going to go ahead and say, Dan, I know you're listening. <laughs> I know you're a fan of the Leadership Podcast. If you want to go ahead and put a Chick-fil-A cafeteria at New Spring Church, we will make that happen. Great. Now we got that on the record. All right. All right. Question number two. Uh, Chick-fil-A has a particular vision for the quality of their products. Um, What was that vision and what was your takeaway after hearing about it? Well, I love the fact that they are all about be remarkable. Be remarkable. And and Shane, the, the quality of... Okay, first of all, um, I believe I heard Ed Young say this years ago, and it resonated me with so so well. Resonated with me so well. Ed said, "Las Vegas has nothing to say, but they say it so well that everybody goes there to hear them say nothing. The church has everything to say, but we say it so poorly that people won't come to church to listen to what we have to say." That was my friend Ed. 
Um, I, I, I started, if you study a, a culture, church attendance right now in America is declining. And here's the funny thing. People in America have not rejected God. People go, we got a godless nation. People don't love Jesus anymore. I think people, um, I mean, it, it's not that people have rejected God. They've rejected the church. And I don't blame society and culture. I blame us as the church because we have the greatest message possible, but we won't present it in a remarkable way. I think the church ought to be the most creative organization on the planet because we have the Holy Spirit empowering us. We have the greatest message ever given. I think we need to be I think we should be the most innovative. I think we should be the most productive place on the planet. I think businesses and corporations should be coming to the church to learn leadership concepts and principles because what we're doing so well. But unfortunately, we've kind of taken the lazy approach and we scale back and we do everything poorly and then we then we say, well, God must have not not have been in it. No, God God was God wanted to be in it, but as we talked about on a podcast several months ago, God works through people who work. So true. I mean, their concept of being remarkable, if, if people aren't talking about their products when they leave, then they feel like they've failed. Right. Uh, they even uh, took us to a place where they have a wall of pictures of food that used to be in their stores, but now yep. isn't. I remembered some of that food, too. Yeah, I did, too. Uh, and I thought it was neat that there were things that may have been making a profit, um, you know, when you got to the bottom line, but that people weren't talking about anymore, and they decided to get rid of them. Right. Talk about how that applies to the church. Well, the, the question every leader needs to kind of wrestle to the ground with this one is, are people talking about your church service when they leave? Um, let me back up because they might be talking about it. But, like, are they saying good things? Like, um, there, there's no excuse for allowing a bad singer to sing a song on a, on a Sunday. There's, there's absolutely no excuse. There's no excuse for letting a musician that can't play play on a Sunday. I don't care if he's the associate pastor's son. He can't play the guitar. He does not need to be on stage. Um, and yes, those people, we need to find environments for them to to develop. We need to find environments for them to um, do great things, but it's not in front of people. And some people argue and they go, we just want to be authentic. There comes a place where you can be so authentic that you actually drive people away. For, for example, um, I've been to what you would call an authentic Italian restaurant before. Everybody spoke in Italian. The menu was in Italian. The music was Italian. It was great. I, I, I'm not sure I, I would ever go back because while it was good, it was so authentic, it drove me away. It wasn't remarkable in that, oh, my gosh, I've got to go back. Now, everybody that went there would argue they're authentic, but you can be so authentic that you actually drive people away. Authentic um, authentic only works if people understand the product that you're trying to produce. If people don't understand that, you're authentically bad. <laughs> That's true. In, in the church world, authentic would mean to be like Jesus, and I don't see any record of him in the Gospels pushing people away or people were repulsed by what he was doing. Mm -mm. Uh, I see him being, if he was a greeter, he would have been smiling. If he would have been working in kids' ministry, he would have loved kids. You know that crazy Jesus? He um, he just did some things. One, one of the things is is when you talk about like this, you'll have some um, 
uh, people with a somewhat of a pharisaical mindset, they'll go, well, the word of God should be enough. Well, the word of God should be enough. And I'm like, well, isn't it funny how I don't, I don't think J- Jesus really thought that. We'll get some emails on this one. Um, if, if the word of God was enough, then why did Jesus feed 5,000? And then why did he turn around and feed 4,000? And then why did he heal people? And why did he do it on the Sabbath? That's another one. Um, why, why did he walk on water? Why did he perform the miracles that he performed? It was the Word of God and what he was willing to do. I mean, you got to be willing to reach out and meet people where they are, and that's what Jesus did. And so when the church presents the gospel in a what I would call a creative, exciting, relevant message, um, it, it reaches people. It just does. That's what Jesus did. Jesus did not exegete the entire Old Testament line by line and verse by verse. He simply showed up, told stories, performed miracles, and people followed him. He was remarkable. He was remarkable. Uh, number three, uh, they talked a lot about, Chick-fil-A talked a lot about innovation versus continuous improvements. Uh, share with our listeners uh, what you learned about how they approach this difference. Well, I- innovation and conti- so continuous improvements is something I learned from um, Andy Stanley years ago where he, he taught on a concept of new, improved, improving, um, where we should always be improving everything we do. I need to work hard at getting better as a leader, getting better as a speaker. I think every musician in our church needs to work better on Um, fine-tuning their craft, fine-tuning their ability. I think every youth worker needs to work on, you know, whatever we're called to do, we need to get better at that. Um, So so improving, we should always look to improve what we do and how we do it. Um, But innovation is when we go beyond improvement and we stop um, taking what you call safe bets. I mean, there's some things that we can tweak and it's improvement, But if it doesn't work, it's not going to really hurt us. Innovation is when you go all out and try something brand new, and there is serious risk involved. Um, One of the things that we hear all the time is how creative Hollywood is. Oh, Hollywood's creative. Oh, Hollywood's innovative. Um, Well, if they're so creative and so innovative, then why did they just remake the movie Red Dawn? which wasn't a great movie in the 80s, and it was an even worse remake. Why are they remaking all the Star Trek movies? Why are they remaking, um, oh, good gosh. What, Karate, Superman. Karate Kid. Superman. How, how the great many? Great Gatsby. Yeah. The, which, that Get was horrible. Get a new freaking movie. Right. How many more Batmans can we have? I mean, it, they're... The, and, I don't even know who Batman is anymore. I mean, is it Michael Keaton? Is it like I like some people don't even know who that is, and that's fine. What I'm saying is Hollywood's not that creative. That they're not innovative. They 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 make improvements, but innovation is when you take a risk and you go, man, this is either gonna this is gonna succeed or it's gonna fail, and we're just gonna see what happens. And a lot of churches aren't willing to do that. What I loved about uh, the facilities there at Chick-fil-A is they put their money where their mouth is. They yep. don't just talk about innovation. They actually constructed, I think it was an 80,000-square-foot place they called The Hatch, or yep. called Hatch, where it's all about innovation. And we were all surprised because, you know, they make sandwiches, they make, you know, various things in a restaurant, but they actually dedicated this space to people to just think about how they can make the customer experience better. How can the church, how can our church learn from what we saw there 
Here's the thing, I, Shane, I, and I, I shared this with you guys in, in a leadership meeting. I walked around mad the first three-fourths of the day. I was just mad. And I wasn't mad at Chick-fil-A. And I definitely, Dan, I wasn't mad at you. Um, I, I, was, I was mad that um, we walked into this one room, and they're experimenting with a new type of grilled chicken sandwich. They said they're not happy with their grilled chicken sandwich. Um, and, and just to be honest with you, I think if Chick-fil-A had a weakness, it might be the grilled chicken sandwich and, but they're improving on it. And they showed us that they had spent around, or they showed us this piece of equipment that they had spent around $38 million developing in order to make better grilled chicken sandwiches. Now think about that. $38 million for a piece of equipment. And I was thinking, I'm so angry. Chick-fil-A is so passionate about what they're doing, which is at the end of the day, listen, a piece of chicken. That's it. It's a piece of chicken. But they're so passionate about doing it well that they, they're spending $38 million, by the way, debt-free dollars, um, to develop a product that helps them produce better chicken. And I've been a part of churches that while Chick-fil-A spending $38 million, they get mad when you spend $38 on pizza for a youth event. And so I, I think what the church has to learn how to do is understand that for about $100, you can do about $100 worth of ministry. That's, that's, that's as far as it goes. And so we've got to be willing to be innovative, but understanding that we got to be... I'm telling you, if the church was as passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ as Chick-fil-A was about chicken, the entire world would be reached within less than 10 years. The whole world, even all the unreached people groups, they would be reached because the church was actually fired up about something that mattered. That's so good. Uh, question number four, visible Chick-fil-A vision seemed to be everywhere we went while we were there. What do you think the importance is, uh, not just to staff, but everyone who walks into a church or organization of being able to actually see vision? Everybody that walks into your church has a vision for your church. Um, every church leader needs to know that. Everybody that walks into your church has a vision for your church. And if you don't declare what the vision is, they will declare the vision for you. Um, and that's why you've got to be very upfront. You got to be very open. You got to be very honest. You got to understand you can't please everybody. And so, by the time you get done walking around Chick Fil A's offices, I mean the visions everywhere. They got statements. They got signs. They, I mean, it, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. And so, I, I would say what you put in front of people, and not just put it in front of people, but what you actually champion is going to be the, the vision and the value of that organization. And that's one thing I can say about Chick-fil-A, because anybody can come up with a slogan and make a T-shirt and throw it on the wall, but you've got to be able to live out the vision that you put on the wall. And um, that that's what makes them extra special. It's true. One of the things, too, with the guys we were with and everybody we encountered that was on staff at Chick-fil-A, they spoke the same language. They yep. said the same things. Chick-fil-A-in. Chick-fil-A-in. Yeah, hey, like Chick-fil-A-in. Um, but you know that, like um, you know, the Bible says there. God Himself said, "There's power in a common language," and so yep. the importance of vision. Um, when people see it, they can start to say it, and then they can start to spread it. Well, think about this, and I, I, I had somebody bring this to my attention several months ago. 
But in Genesis 11, I'm going to look it up here on my phone, which is off. I'm, I'm not sure if you tuned in a few months ago, but okay, my but sister had her phone on. We're going to go ahead and on. use this as a plug for uversion.com. Um, yeah, uversion.com. Oh, Those my gosh. Those guys are trying to get 10 million, or no, 100 million downloads yeah. by July 10th, so we want to go ahead and plug that right now. This if you don't have uversion, you. get it right now. Get it right now. Is it uversion.com? Yes. Y-O-U, not you, <laughs> yeah. but Y-O-U version.com. Props to Craig Rochelle, and, and who's the best-looking pastor in the world. He could, he could double for Tom Cruise. Um, and I, I know Craig's probably listening, too, because, I mean, him and Dan are just big buddies. Yeah. Um, they probably share notes. They probably do. Um, uh, so Okay, so Genesis chapter 11, verse, verses 1 through 5, the, the, um, the, the people are building the Tower of Babel. Um, and in Genesis 11, verse 6, the Bible says, The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now, that's what the Lord said. The Lord said that. I didn't say that. You know, Dan Cathy didn't say that. The Lord said that. Um, what's incredible is in Acts chapter 2, what did God do when he sent the Holy Spirit on the church? He basically united the language. That's right. Everybody heard the gospel in their own language. And, and the Lord said in Genesis 11 that if people are speaking the same language, then there's nothing that's impossible for them. The problem with the church, one of the problems with the church um, in America today is, is everybody in that particular church is not speaking the same language. That's why it's very important to invent, a, to come up with a vision, come up with a statement, and get everybody speaking the same language. Because you get everybody speaking the same language and working towards something that matters, then nothing they set their minds to and their hearts to will be impossible for them to accomplish. That's right. That's power, good, right there. Power Amen. And vision. Amen. All Amen. right. Question number five. Um, Chick Fil A guys had some interesting insight into problem solving. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about this? The, the thing I took away from this is you've got to understand what the problem is before you can actually solve it. And it sounds very simple, but um, the, you, I was having a conversation with Lucretia about um, a, a, a church that I knew of and some problems, and I kind of felt like, hey, you could do this, this, and this and solve it. And Lucretia, who's my wife, um, she steps in and tells me, Perry, what you've just suggest, suggested would solve the problem at a surface level, but it would come back because the problem is actually deeper and you can't just deal with the root or you can't just deal with the fruit. You got to deal with the roots. You got to dig down and really discover, okay, what is the problem? Is it, um, is it the person on stage can't sing? Okay, well, I can deal with that problem. They can't sing. Or is the problem the person over... The, the, the people on stage doesn't have the courage to tell somebody they can't sing. Well, that's, that's the bigger problem. That's the, that's the bigger problem. And so they actually try to figure out what the real problem is before they jump into trying to solve it because they don't want to put Band-Aids on bullet wounds. That's good. Uh, question six, uh, they felt like excellence in a store or one of their uh, Chick-fil-A sites, starts with great training. And I thought it was interesting, who did they spend their time actually training, and what was your takeaway from this? Well, they spent the time training the operators. The operators are kind of like what you might call the managers or the 
um, we would call them campus pastors. Uh, yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, but they, they, they brought them in for training. Here, here's the thing that I loved. Um, the, the first time I heard this, of course, is, is Andy Stanley, but I, I don't think it was original with him, Vision Leaks. Um, you, you fill somebody's vision bucket up sooner or later, it's going to leak. So they don't assume, Hey, let me bring, um, this operator in, let's train him one time and let's, let's forget all about him. They continually, if there was an operator down there that we met that had been, I think he'd been operating a store for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. It was a sixth or seventh time to go through this training and he had a smile on his face and um, he, he didn't look mad about being there. And one of the things that in leadership, if we're not careful, we can assume that everybody knows everything about everything that we're doing, and that is a wrong assumption. I mean, we, we can't assume people know why we're do, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and that's why continual training for people on a church staff is essential. Yeah, uh, I think they actually they call them owner-operators because these men and women who are in that position have a stake financial stake in how well the store does and you mentioned vision leaks so they were spending they didn't train the staffs of these people Mm -hmm. they actually trained the leaders because they wanted the leaders to be so ingrained with what chick-fil-a was after that they would have to teach it to their staff yep i think that's uh you know one of the point one of the takeaways for me was that as leaders we've got to be so ingrained in the vision that we're able to communicate it to the people on our teams if we can't do that then how can we expect the people on our teams to communicate vision yeah and and you know once again maybe you've got a church of 150 or 200 people and you've got to be able to communicate it to your volunteers you've got to be able to train your volunteers because I'm, I'm telling you I've the first church I served in was 100 people the second church I served in was 200 people when we started New Spring Church we had 15 people um it if people understand the vision um on the ground level things have the potential to grow to uh, to un- it's just unlimited so true question seven the customer's experience is a really big deal at Chick-fil-A. What insights did you gain uh, in this area? Well, one of the things that we do not consider um, sometimes in church world is the customer experience. I have a, a friend, and he, um, you know, he and I, he's a friend, but we differ on, on this, and, that, and that's okay because he can be wrong. But I, I, he, he's made the comment before, you know, we're about to his church, you know, we're not, um, gonna, you know, have the the recliner seats and the lattes available um, in the seats, like the latte makers. And my take was, they've got latte makers in seats. How can we get those? What <laughs> what what do we need to do? I I'm all about people coming to church having a great experience because I've talked to enough. I've talked to enough what I call de-churched people, not unchurched, but they were in church and they walked away from church and they're just coming back. But the reason they walked away is, is most of them didn't. It wasn't a bad experience. It was consistent bad experiences that drove them away. And the church, if we love Jesus, we can't be okay with providing bad experiences. Now, the argument, um, and I credit Larry Osborne for helping me kind of see this, the argument that some people... Um, give at this point is, 
well, Green Bay Packer fans go sit in the middle of the freezing cold with 20 degrees below zero, and they sit out there. And if that's what they do for Green Bay Packer fans, then you know if that's what Green Bay Packer fans do, then why can't we come to church and have no air conditioner and have a crappy sound system and have no carpet on the floors and da-da-da-da-da. And I get that, but going back to the Green Bay il- illustration, where it breaks down is I'm not a Green Bay Packer fan. So if it's below 60 degrees, I ain't going to the game because I'm not a fan. I, I'm not – I don't have a Green Bay Packer jersey. I don't have a cheese head. That's the dumbest thing ever. Um, sorry, Packer fans, it's dumb. I, I, don't, I don't have any of that, and so I'm not going to go. So the mistake the church is making is we're assuming that all these people are already fans – when reality is there are way more unchurched people in America than there have ever been. And if we continually bring them into an environment where we provide them bad experiences, why would they come back? Chick-fil-A is all about providing excellent experiences for the people that walk in the door. That's why um, I, if, I, if you make me choose a fast food restaurant, I'm going to choose Chick-fil-A. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I don't even I don't even consider Chick-fil-A a fast food restaurant because fast food is Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. I don't even put Chick-fil-A in that category. I put it above them simply because the experience is better. So good. We're about halfway through this podcast and we realize that about a 52-minute podcast is too much for some people to listen to at one time. Mainly it would be too much for me. Um, and so we're going to we're going to cut this off but part 2 is going to be available next week. It's going to be a bonus edition, and we want you to tune in for that. So check out part two, available next week at the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast.